0: This program is brought to you by The Living Church Boise. This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. What I'm going to be talking about this morning is power in unity. There's power when we come together in unity. Oftentimes as believers, we are isolated. Uh, this morning... It's great that Levi did announcements because we're trying our best to reach homes. We're trying our best to reach those of you that cannot make your way to church. But the Bible says, do not forsake coming together. As some people have. When you take a coal away from the fire, it'll dwindle and die. And sometimes we think, we get arrogant, we get prideful because we have all this information that we can hold on to in our commentaries and our softwares. And we sit at home and we say, well, I am the church. So I'm just going to sit at home and just be the church. Well, if you told that to one of the disciples, they would have laughed at your face church in essence is ecclesia it's a community of people called out of a community to be a community so that we can go back to the community you were called out of to make a world of a difference you cannot sit at home and change the world you got to get out of your house and the first place you got to go when you leave your house is come to church now now now, the problem is this the problem is this and i i I hear you listen man my passion is home church I would love for us to be a home church where fellowship can happen, where we can be transparent with each other, get real with each other, confront sin in each other. When you see someone down, be like, what's up? I'm not going to leave if it's two in the morning till I find out what's going on with you. I love the concept of home church, but please listen to me. Over the years, we've tried to figure out what method of church works best. And you can come across 365 methods and try one each day and it's not going to fix the problem until we address the attitude of people in the church. The method is not the problem. The problem is the attitude. The problem is the division. The problem is the lack of unity when we come together. I've been in churches where it's just been five people meeting in a living room. I've been in churches where it's 16 people meeting in a little larger space where most of them are Hindus and Muslims who have just been recent converts. I've been in churches where there have been thousands of people, and in every single way, method, the church has done, I watched the Spirit of God move in power. In fact, I was saved in a home church where it was led by an Australian missionary in India. It was crazy. I didn't understand half his words, and then I was like, oh, he's speaking in tongues. I was like, no, that's an Australian accent. It's crazy. (laughs) I was like, why does he keep saying, good, I am I? I'm like, okay, maybe that's the way he speaks in tongues. Shrimp on the barbie. No, that's not what they say. (laughs) But but I've also seen churches that try to mimic a spirit-filled church. And they can have all the right fittings. They can have the lights and the speaker and the music and the worship team. But it lacks power. Why is that? It's because... We're not united. It's the attitude of the church. Um, being a youth pastor, I've had to deal with a lot of spoiled kids in church. And youth pastors? No? Yeah? Just parents? Man, don't you hate it, parents, when your kids are drama for no reason? Like, man, I've done so much for you. I cooked you breakfast. And you stick your nose up it, and you say, I don't want it. You know? I bought you good clothes. And you go put holes in the knees and then you say, I don't like it. You know, it's like, come on, man. What do I need to do to impress you? Like, you hate it when your children are being drama for no reason, dragging their feet, don't want to go to bed, even after all the good things you've done for them all day. Sadly, those parents come to church bringing the same stinking attitude. And then they act like spoiled kids when they don't have their way. My wife said, don't share that because it's a little too heavy for everybody to listen to. So apologies for that. Okay, but it's true. I've seen this because I've been there. I've been there. And being a father of five kids, I know how traumatizing it is and how tearing down it is as a, as a parent when your child is just drama for no reason. And then I come to church and I don't have my way or what I want to see doesn't happen. And then I drag my feet and I keep a long face and I criticize the church and the leaders in every way, shape and form. And what happens is we lose the power and unity that we're supposed to have. And instead we bring disruption. We fall away. We pull other people away. And we encourage people to stay back at home. We encourage people not to go to church. And man, we make Jesus look bad in all of this. There's power in unity. The problem is not the method, but the attitude. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, he says, a house that's divided against itself will fall. And we've seen this happen not only in churches, we've seen this happen in families, haven't we? a house that's divided will fall we've seen this in government offices it's divided it'll fall we've seen this in 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 businesses when it's divided it will fall and this has got to be true not only in our churches it's got to be true even in our life the apostle john this is how he says it he says in third john chapter four he says i have no greater joy that's insane i have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth i want you to know that as leaders of a church as parents we love it when our children are walking in the truth, when they're walking in unity, isn't it, parents? When you don't hear, I'm gonna kill you next door, you're like, wow, that's a good day, right? There was a story I heard of a pastor saying that he was sitting in his office and, and, uh, and he just wanted some quiet. His daughter was playing in the backyard and he heard an argument break out and they started using words against each other and they were getting louder and louder. So he stuck his head out the door. He says, Hey, girls, you gotta keep it down. You're getting a little mean. And his daughter turned around and says, Oh, don't worry, daddy, we're just playing church. All right. <laughs> I don't know if it was a story or real happening, but I heard it. I was like, ouch, that's crazy. This is not what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. He says, a wise son makes a, f- a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. I don't know how many mothers are sitting over here crying over a prodigal son right now and praying for his return. It breaks a, so- a mother's heart when a child goes astray. And I'm telling you, it's the same kind of sorrow that leadership goes through when people in the church are not wanting to work together in unity, but are living in strife, living in, in, in enmity towards each other. And I want to you know, bring this to the, to the light in God's word and show you the power that's there in unity and not only confront our disagreements, not only confront our enmity and strife against each other, but rejoice in the promise of power that's there in unity. You see, the church in Philippi, they did not have theological issues like the church in Corinth. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, and these guys, in fact, the church in Corinth, he says, Hey, do you want me to come to you with a rod of correction? Like, you want some putt putt? You know? It's, it, these guys, the church in Corinth was crazy. They had crazy theological problems, they had a lot of questions about death and resurrection. The church in Philippi, there's nothing like that, but Paul addresses unity. I wonder if it's because they were losing their power because of division in the church. We're going to be looking at four verses, and Paul. Uh, his writing is a lot like Levi's announcements. It's just one long statement. Okay? <laughs> Don't worry. He gets back at me during the week. Okay? Yeah. Paul says, and lastly, at least 15 times. It's crazy. It's four verses. It's one long sentence. And so, because of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break it down a little bit. I'm gonna pull three, three main points from this, so it'll help you remember and hopefully help you apply this not only for this week, but for the rest of your life. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Paul says, complete my joy. How does Paul want us to complete his joy? He's writing the church in Philippi and he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. In other words, he's saying, reason and think in the same direction. You see, being of same mind doesn't mean uniformity. It means unity in the direction in which we're going. Going in the same direction and vision. When you hear Levi talk about, the direction we're moving as a church, it's the same thing. It, it, it really aligns with the mission and vision that we have for the church. Our, our mission and vision is for us to be a billboard for the grace of God. We want our intimacy with Christ to cause unbelievers to find new hope and life in Jesus Christ. We want to encourage believers with God's word. And, and, and it's beautiful when a church comes together and is moving in the same direction, having the same mind. And then he says, having the same love. And I had to look this up. And he's talking about the agape love, the love that God has for you. If you remember in the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God showed his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he says, hey, listen, have this one mind and have this one love. Have this the same love that, that Christ had for you. Can you pause one second and imagine what the church would look like if we came together in the same direction, with the same focus, you're not coming to church and make a good business deal. You? You're not coming to church to hook up with some, you know, hot-looking chick over here. You're in the wrong place for that, just FYI. You know, but people go to churches for things like that. If you come to church for all the wrong reasons, you come to church just so that you can be on staff, just so you can, you know, say you went to church or whatever wrong reasons you're in there. But if you're coming for this one purpose, one mind, with one affection and one love, having the same love that Christ had for you. And then it gets even better. He says, having the same love... And being in full accord and of one mind. This is one word in Greek that has to be put into a sentence. Being in full accord and of one mind. In other words, it's saying being one soul. S-O-U-L-E-D. Being one soul. Being soul together. We're soul brothers, soul sisters. We're soul mates. You ever sat um, with a friend and as as he or she starts to share the story of what's going on in their life, tears well up in your your, your eyes. And your heart begins to, to get heavy. As you hear these stories in your heart, you just want to get in their shoes and take care of the problem. You ever been there? You ever had a friend like that? And that's what it means when to be to be one soul. When you come together, you carry each other's burdens. You're like, man, how can I step into your life and help you navigate through the pain you're walking through? Paul says, make my joy complete of being of the same mind, reasoning, thinking, visioning in the same direction, having the same love, the love that God has for you, the love that you received, showing it to others, having this one soul, being of one accord and of one mind. But this command folks take on new heights and importance when you dive a little deeper into its implications and the way we apply it so here are three things the number one Paul's going to say is if you're saved you will strive for unity have you been saved? do you claim to be slaved? because if you're saved then you will strive for unity see before, before I get into the power that's there in unity you first need to see why is it important for us to strive for unity because if you're saved you will strive for unity. Paul is going to have the, these things called like you know an if clause and then clause. If you're saved, then you'll strive for unity. If you're saved, then this should be true of you. In the previous passage, if you were here last week, um, we confronted shame, we confronted fear, and we confronted spiritual apathy. You remember that? It's crazy, isn't it? In Paul's writings, there's just four chapters, but the words that the Holy Spirit has inspired him to use, it digs so deep into the dark crevices of our heart and shines his glorious light and brings to surface the things that need to be confronted if you receive the gospel then what are you doing holding on to shame if you receive the gospel why are you giving into fear if you receive the gospel why is the spiritual apathy in your life and he confronted that last week and this week is going to confront us and say hey listen if you receive the gospel you've got to keep striving for unity complete my joy of being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind this attitude is beneficial and it's only possible when you have experienced the essential joy that comes from the gospel. And by the way, folks, this if you're a leader in your workplace, in your business, you know, you're struggling to lead your home, your family, your kids, this, I believe, is a game changer. This message, I believe, is really gonna change your leadership style and capacity and influence. Paul is gonna bring to the forefront a few benefits of the gospel. And he says, if you've received this gospel from Jesus, then it has to be evident in the way you show it. So let's look at verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2. Are you with me this morning? Awesome, let's go. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So, he's saying, if you receive all of this, then verse 2, complete my joy of being of the same mind, having the same love. And he says, but it starts with, if there's any encouragement, and that if is, uh, some of your translations say, therefore, since you have... Received encouragement What, what he's supposed to, what he's trying to do is Is to get you to sit up and wonder Have I received this? Have I received this encouragement? Have I received this comfort? Have I received this love? So if you receive the gospel, then unity should be a focus in your life So if there's any encouragement in Christ I asked you, are you saved? And I want to ask you this question Have you found encouragement in Jesus? Truthfully, have you? Because there are times when I sit back at home And I feel like My Christianity has just been punch in and punch out my Christianity has just been a crutch. My Christianity has been something that I say that I am, but I've not really found the encouragement. And if that's you, I want to encourage you just real quick over here. For those of you who are tired, Jesus, in his red-letter words in the New Testament, encourages us and says, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me from humble and gentle at heart. That's Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. For those of you who are suffering right now, jesus says in john chapter 16 verse 33 take heart i've overcome the world he says in this world you will have a lot of suffering but you take heart i have overcome the world he says in matthew 6 verse 27 for those who are worried he says listen man you don't worry about your needs let me worry about you he says who among you by worrying can add a single moment to your life for those of you struggling with self-worth jesus says, look at the sparrows they are sold for a few pennies and they, they fall to the ground, they die and yet your heavenly father knows them and he knows when they fall to the ground and how much more will he care for you? Are you sick? Are you tired? Are you worried? you feeling low self-worth, you feel forgotten? Oh man, look at Jesus. He's the most beautiful encourager the universe will ever find. He calls out courage in those who are depressed. He calls out courage in those who are down. He calls out courage on those that have been torn and stamped and, and, and left for dead. And He calls out courage in them and He makes them people that He's created them to be. He is the best encourager and His encouragement brings comfort, does it not? That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014, Eagle, Idaho 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.